Morning again. So, we have been looking at a book in the New Testament, just for those of you that are with us just for today. We'll bring you up to speed on what we've been doing. So, uh, which book have we been looking at? There's probably a clue behind on the screen. Not yet. Oh, so it's going to be a proper quiz. Yeah. So, what book of the Bible have we been going through? Mark. And Mark is in the... New Testament in the Bible and we've been doing this for the past four weeks I think this is uh, week number four so we're going through it quite slowly so we're only taking like tiny little portions which perhaps for some of you that's good news if you're not used to being in church thinking is this going to be like a mega long sermon going on here Uh, no it won't be today and so it's just a few verses and they're really amazing verses and they're really straightforward as well. So there's not lots of complicated stuff to try and understand. So uh, hopefully lots of things will be apparent, but I'm going to pull a few things out as well to help us think about them. Susie down here, if you, do you want to wave them about, has got some little sheets. So if you are under 18 or even if you're over 18 it might help you Um, but the younger you are probably the better it is if you would like one they've got some little boxes and little questions in them that relate to what I'm going to be talking about today so the idea is that when I'm talking about things it might help some of you that are younger to remember things and you can fill in some of the boxes but if you do that and you put your name on it, and if you're not from the area, ask your mum and dad or whoever you've come with if you can put an address on, and you might even get a prize sent to you today. Is that right? Yes. So um, Susie is down here, but maybe you could put some at the back as well in case people don't want to come at the front. So there'll be a few down here. Two different ones for different ages. Okay. So there'll be a few down here, then there's a few at the back. And then if you've not found them already, there's some other um, little light sheets you can use and paper at the back as well. And pencils at the back, yeah. Let's jump in and read these few verses. So this is Mark chapter 1, and it's verse 29 through to verse 34. You can read up on the screen there. And this is from um, a version of the Bible that is called the ESV or the English Standard Version, in case that means anything to anyone. That's where it's from, because different verses, uh, when you read them on your phones, they're sometimes from different translations, so some of the words are sometimes different. Let's read together. Immediately, he left the synagogue, and the he is Jesus. He left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, They are two of the disciples that he just recently called. And they also went with James and John. So this is all all the brothers. They've got like a little little posse of five. This is right early on at the start of Jesus' ministry. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many 
who was sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Full stop. There we go. So very short little chunk there. And so the, the, the background to this, if you've read the earlier bit or you've been in any of our meetings in the last couple of week, weeks, you may remember that Jesus had just come from the synagogue. Have you heard about synagogues before? They were like the centre of Jewish life. They were gathering points, hubs in the community, and that's where a lot of religious teaching and discussion would go on. He'd come from there because Jesus had just started to, to preach and to say, I'm here to share good news with you all about the kingdom of God. And so they were in the same kind of area and Jesus had started to call some of his 12 disciples to join him. And so they must have been quite near. So they go to one of their houses and find that mother-in-law is not very well. And so uh, interesting there, because when we think about the disciples, those of us that are Christians, uh, particularly, we don't, we don't hear much about their family. So when you look in the Bible, that you don't read lots about the disciples' families and children. It's not even obvious whether they were married or had children at all. But here's one tiny little line that says they were. Uh, some of them were, and probably, although it doesn't say it, probably some of them had children as well. You don't hear about their children, but here. So mother-in-law is not very well. Boo hiss. And so it says then that they, they talk to Jesus, they say, come and help. Jesus comes in and he, he takes hold of her hands and without a lot of drama, he, he kind of helps her get out of the bed and it seems just like that, the fever leaves her. And then the passage ends with the, the word sort of spreading, more people starting to come to gather, more people that want healing and then the next bit that some of us will be teaching on next week is when Jesus gets up early in the morning and he says, I don't want to stay here because I'm not just about healing people. I need to actually teach and preach and share about why I've come and what these healings point to. So a couple of things that I want to bring out. The first thing is this. Notice in the passage on the screen that it doesn't actually mention Jesus. Did you notice that? So there's no mention of the name of Jesus. We, we know that it must be about Jesus because the whole chunk in that chapter is about him. But it doesn't actually mention his name. So it says in verse 30, immediately they went and told him about the sick mother-in-law. And so we all think, aha, it is Jesus. But it's like, it's like there's not even a real clear focus on Jesus in this passage. And it, it might make us think for a moment about who it is that we tell, who it is that we talk to about things that are going on in our life, about problems that we're facing, or who is it that we go and tell when someone else has got a problem or is sick? If we're literally talking about this passage, we might say, who do we go and tell when one of our family members is sick? Who do we tell? A doctor? Other family members? Who, who tells Jesus about it? Some of you do, I know. And so there's a little reminder here or a little challenge to us all about where we go 
with our problems because we, we live in an age where you don't always know who to go to talk to. And so lots of people, we go to all kinds of places in order to get someone to listen to us. We go to all sorts of places where we might be able to get help. Some of them aren't necessarily people, one-to-one people. It might be Google. It might be we go online to try to get help. It might mean that we are turning to social media and we're talking with people in that environment to get someone to listen to us. It might be that we're reading books. It might be that we don't really go anywhere. We just keep our heads down like that and carry on running. And so if you're working, you can bury yourself in work, can't you? If there's a problem, there's stuff on your mind, you don't always stop for long enough to actually talk about it or share. You just keep going on. And sometimes you can go on for months and months, even years and years, and then later on in life, it's, it's as if it all starts to come out or crack in all kinds of ways. And you think, oh, what is going on inside of me? There's all sorts of stuff that's coming out now. The way that I'm talking, I'm losing my temper, I feel like I'm burning out, I'm breaking down. So there's all sorts of places where we go to try to sort out the problems maybe that we encounter or we see in the lives of our loved ones around us. Um, Just this last week, uh, Susie and I were away at an event at a conference and uh, when we were at one of the tables having dinner, uh, someone said, right, let's all go round and let's all tell the table something that we don't know about you or something you think we won't know about you. And so we all went round one by one sharing what we... And it, it's really hard to think of things that no one will know about, sort of racking your brains. And the best that I could come up with was was that I can turn my eyelids inside out without touching them. And I won't do it now because it might actually scare children and that wouldn't be good. But I can. I can turn uh, these eyelids that way and I can turn the bottom ones inside that way without even using my hands, just by contorting my face. So that's an impressive bit of information that I've told you about myself and if you'd like to see me demoing that later (laughs) over coffee I will just come up to me and say do it but if I'm doing it all coffee time it won't work so well I'll probably dry out but I'm happy to demo that for you so what what is it what is it about you that maybe no one else knows or what is it about your life at the moment that hardly, hardly anyone knows the depths of it. It could be a pain that you're going through, it could be questions that you've got, it could be challenges that you're facing, it could be doubts that you've got. And I bet if we were to go around and say, let's share them all publicly, probably most of us would say, no way, not sharing that. Um, can't share that in public. So where do you go with it? That's my question. Who are you going to tell about these things? Because the challenge is, if you don't go somewhere with it, then it comes out later and it doesn't always come out in a good way. It sometimes works its way out into things that damage us in life. And so sometimes we turn to things, whether it's drinking or drugs or internet or relationships or getting ourselves into messes where we think, 
this, I'll regret this. I've somehow gone down a wrong path here. And it could be that you feel like you could be sitting here thinking, yeah, I don't need to tell anyone anything. That's just life, isn't it? You can't be talking all the time about all your stuff. Of course, we can't be talking all the time about all of our stuff. But sometimes we need to talk about some things. And in our nation at the moment, globally, but particularly in the West, we, we do have a problem with things like loneliness. And so despite all kinds of increases in technology and ways that people are connected, we've heard the statistics that emotional health is going down, particularly the younger generation in, in, in their teens who are often connected. Studies show that they don't all feel connected. In fact, loneliness is something that is often spoken about or mentioned within the younger age group, particularly those in teens and 20s. Uh, a few years ago, in, in, when it was lockdown, do you remember lockdown? Back in the day, um, I did a few months where I was working with the Samaritans, taking phone calls. And, um, and I did the training, it was very interesting, very, very helpful, and I did take phone calls for a number of weeks. And the, phone, the phones would ring constantly. And they're coming through from actually anywhere in the world, but they come through to any of the 70 offices, so you don't know who you're getting when. And as soon as the phone has gone down, there's normally two or three of you in a local office, there's a few offices here, boom, it's going again, again and again and again. And people are ringing up to tell you, to talk to you about things that no one else is listening to because they know they don't know you and it, it won't go anywhere. It's a safe environment. But calls come in because it's all tracked and logged. You literally have to type in on a computer uh, anonymously without names, the kind of context of the call and what was going on. Every 10 seconds, about 10,000 calls come in a day. 10,000 calls a day, which if you do the maths is about three and a half million calls a year are coming in. That's just a small percentage of people, obviously, that are going that route to get someone to talk to. And out of that number, a year, about 8,000 of them are coming from ex-military, ex-forces, who want to talk. About 17,000 are coming from NHS or social workers. And about 410,000 are coming from inside prisons. They're phoning from their phones in the corridor. So there's just a tiny snapshot of what actually is going on in all of us to some way. And you know that with the uh, development of technology, people are turning to AI now, aren't they? And so you can go on and have discussions uh, with AI and have relationships and all sorts now. So our world is going into a whole new era. But imagine having someone that you could always talk to any time of day that is so good, so loving, so powerful, has all wisdom, all resources, all life, never turns you away, will never shame you or guilt you, won't, it won't even be shocked because they sort of know what's going on anyway. Imagine having that kind of person to talk to. This is the person that is not mentioned by name in this passage, but we know who it is, the person of Jesus. And so this passage draws us to the person who's not mentioned by name, but is right at the centre and is showing that he can respond when people tell him, when people ask him and share the problem or the burden, 
he is able then to respond to it. So it wasn't like he just did it automatically. And when you look at the stories of Jesus in the Bible, he doesn't just force himself on everybody. He's often looking and waiting for people to come and ask him. And he commends people that do that because it shows something of faith and belief. So when we have an attitude of, I'm here, you know where I am, come and get me if you need me, that doesn't always work with God. He may graciously still come and get you, he knows where you are, but he doesn't always force himself in that kind of way. So he's looking for each of us, whether we are Christians or people of faith or not, he wants us to come and tell him, to come and talk to him, to come and ask him and to share with him what is going on so that he may then respond. I'll give you a couple of verses and I'm going to move on to my second and final point. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on yourself or your own understanding, but acknowledge him and then he will make your path straight. So you either trust in yourself or you trust in someone else or you trust in something or a divine being. And that for us as Christians we're pointing toward Jesus. Psalm 118 verse 8, better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in a man or a woman. So great that we can comfort one another and encourage one another. We do take refuge in other human beings and we should do, but ultimately we we can only protect and guard and strengthen one another to a certain point. So the ultimate place of refuge is God. Proverbs 28:26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in, in wisdom, and it's talking about the wisdom of God, will be delivered or rescued. So our own minds are brilliant. We should be people that think, that analyse, that wrestle things through in our minds, but none of us know everything and understand everything. We don't have the resource and power to deal with every situation. And so we have to find someone else who's greater. Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything, but instead, with thanksgiving, turn to God, bring it to God, and he will answer the prayers and give you peace. And finally, 1 John 1 verse 9 If we confess our sins or our burdens and our guilt and our shame to him, he will hear us and he's faithful and he will forgive us and clean it all up. So there's someone there in Jesus that can clean up the mess that we make, the burdens emotionally and mentally and physically and spiritually that all of us carry. Second point, I'm going to finish with this one. So who are you turning to? Who are you telling? Secondly, uh, what, what does it lead to? When we, when we do that, what might then happen? Because in this passage, it's really obvious, they go and tell Jesus and then healing takes place. The fever lifts off the mother-in-law. And some of us have, have seen healings. Uh, it, it's easy to be sceptical. Some of us have seen healings taking place in front of us. We've been in, in rooms or homes where people have been prayed for, they've turned to Jesus, and then immediately they'll say, 
the pain has gone or I can do something I didn't do before. Lots of our youth, there's some of them in the room, about 60 of our youth went to a big Christian event called New Day this year. And on one of the evenings they always pray, but they don't touch anyone. They don't even do what Jesus did where they're touching. Literally, they, they, they just pray a prayer, turn to Jesus and say, anyone in the room... Look to Jesus now in your own heart and ask him to heal you. And there's about six, 7,000 people in the big marquee. And then they ask them if they've been healed to, to test it and then to report it. And they have numbers of kind of people who receive them, write that down. Some of them are medical staff and they check through. And even the next year, when we go back sometimes, they will share stories from the previous year having some of those youth then gone back to the doctor and had things confirmed there. And we've heard extraordinary stories. And, and some that sometimes they are people that came with crutches, then the crutches are not there. People that say, I can't, can't bend over and touch my toes without going unconscious because of whatever condition. That was one this year. And then they'll demonstrate it on stage. So when we turn to Jesus, sometimes the same thing happens that's in that passage. And so today, we can pray at the end of the meeting if you want prayer for anything. You don't have to be a believer, a, a Christian. You can come and say, oh, if, if it's true, I'll come and ask then. I need prayer because the doctors can't help me. I've been to the doctors. It's not going very quick. Um, why not turn to God? That's what happened in this occasion. We can tell him on your behalf just like the disciples did here. And so Jesus did it with a lot of compassion. So it, this wasn't like a Pentecostal kind of, you know, speaking in tongues and like throwing people on the floor and all this and like lots of incantations. It doesn't really say what happened other than Jesus went in, stood there and took hold of the hand. I mean, that, that's a respectful, honouring way to do it, isn't it? That's not scary that isn't like making anyone do anything. That is, that is touching and lifting and, and, and honouring. And so any prayer you receive from anyone, ever, doesn't have to be noisy or big or getting you to do things. It's turning towards someone, telling them and trusting and waiting. Putting the ball entirely in the core of God. <clears throat> what does it lead to? Healing, but then, and I'm going to finish with this, it leads to serving. It leads to some kind of response from the individual that has been touched by God. So in this case, it says that the mother-in-law got up immediately and started serving or ministering to them is, a, is one of the words that's used in the Bible, a bit of a Christian word. Starts ministering to them, starts cooking them an evening meal, and so when we, are, when we are touched by Jesus, when we're healed in some kind of way, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, it should lead to some kind of response or action. God's very good. He will, he will do things, speak to people, heal them, even if they don't always respond to him. But the point is that when... God does something, when Jesus does, does something, it's a sign, it's a signpost pointing to something greater. The greatest thing is not the healing, it's what it points to. It points to someone is in my room lifting me up, the person of Jesus. There's someone here 
who, who's got a message, who's got some kind of hope and life and power and authority and ability that I need to hear about. Thank, thanks for the healing, I'm grateful. Right, now talk to me about life. Thanks that you've rescued me from sickness. Tell me now what is going on in my life. What is life about? Who are you? Why did you come? What are the really important things that healing is pointing towards? That's what this is about. And when we understand that, it leads us into a place where we respond. We then want to serve him, serve Jesus, and serve others because of who he is and because of what he's done. And so the message that Jesus was really keen to talk about, and he often moved away. The next bit that we'll be preaching on next week, it says he gets up early in the morning, goes and prays, then he says, come, we've got to move out of here because people, there's too many people coming. Uh, who want healing, I, I've got to go and share the message, the good news, the other stuff with all the other towns and villages. And we find this is the message in another place in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, 21 to 25, says this. To this, you've all been called because Christ suffered. He suffered and he died eventually. Some of us know that story on the cross. And he left us an example so we might follow in his steps. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to our sins. In other words, the burdens, the darkness, the guilt, the shame, the pain, everything that we don't know who to tell, the stuff we can't properly get out of and free of. He died for that to help us find a way through that. Then it says, by his wounds you have been healed. And this is talking about like holistic healing. So yes, he heals bodies, but it's ultimately talking about he heals our soul. No one can heal your soul. No other man. If you talk to any other man or woman, tell them your burdens and your pains, great. They won't be able to heal your soul like God can. Only God can start to bring healing of souls. Why? Because we all, like sheep, have gone astray, but we've now returned to our shepherd and the overseer of our souls. So when Jesus came, the healing points towards the, gr the great shepherd who can heal our souls. And so each of us have that inv invitation today, whether, you, whether we're Christians, whether we're not, whether we were Christians, the message doesn't change. For all of us, it's the same. It's come to me, I, I can heal you, I can answer prayers today, but I'm hoping that 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 answer, that power, will point you towards something beyond that, something ultimate and eternal and more transcendent. And that involves following, that involves serving God, that involves giving ourselves and taking up, the Bible says, our cross a bit like Jesus did and walking behind him into that life, that new life that he then provides. So we're going to finish there, we're going to sing again and it might be that we can have a few moments to respond. Certainly at the end there'll be people that can pray with you at the front if you just want to say, yeah, pray with me. I don't know what I make of all the other stuff but I could do with an answer to prayer about this thing that's going on with me. Why not tell someone? Why not tell Jesus about that and see what he will say about your situation today? Or it might be that you need to give yourself more fully to him to say, yeah, I, 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 I recognise what is going on in my soul 
and that there's nowhere else I seem to be able to go to get rid of this. That there isn't. That's the, that's the hope, the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to bring is come to me. Come to me with those burdens and I will lift them. I will bring that healing. So let's pray together now. Then we're going to sing and then we'll, we'll see the best way to respond at the end for a few moments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the one that we can come to with every burden, every question, every guilt, every shame, every healing, every hurt, every pain, every rejection, every bit of abuse, every bit of confusion, every bit of dirt that is in our life, every bit of anger, every bit of loneliness, every bit of misunderstanding, every bit of hopelessness, every bit of ugliness, all those things, thank you Jesus that you found a way through, you made a way through your life, your death on the cross, somehow you absorbed it all, took it all, stamped on it all, gained victory over it all and when you rose from the dead three days later it was to open a door to say right come through, come as you are, come with all that stuff and so we come today Lord, we turn to you, we look to you, we tell you, we want to talk to you, Lord, about that, this stuff and pray that you will bring healing and life and encouragement to each one of us, young and old. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and pray, come now, come and move amongst us, Lord, and bring hope and life to us and even healing, Lord, at this very moment. We pray for healing for any who are unwell, sick, have got ailments, diseases in body, in minds. We turn to you. We're telling you and asking that you will come and lift up, raise up like you did with uh, Simon's mother-in-law, that you would lift us up into healing. And so we come and ask you for that as well today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's sing together. If you want to stand, we'll just sing for a few moments.